Simplified Chaos, Episode 12. Life is beautiful and full of chaos. And it can get slightly out of hand if that shit's not tamed. We're here to share how to simplify the little things to start leading a more purposeful life. This is Simplified Chaos. What's going on, beautiful people? Welcome to our podcast. This is Jillian, and I'm with my co-host and my husband, Nicholas. What's going on, folks? And we are so excited to be here, and it's episode 12. Yeah, we're rolling right along here. It's pretty exciting. It is exciting. What are we (laughs) jumping into today? This is a good one. It it is. Today's topic is all about our infertility journey, and I say our because it wasn't just mine. It was definitely a process that we both had to go through. And we're going to talk about our journey, the struggle, the silver lining we found through our struggle, and how it transformed our life. Yeah. Really did um, pivot a lot of things that we were doing and just really make us look at our life with a lot more intention. And so I'm extremely grateful for this, this struggle that we experienced together. It was a long journey. But it was worth it. Absolutely. Yes. And she is downstairs with her aunt. And that is the, I guess, the the bouquet of it all. Yeah. The, I don't know what you call it. That little munchkin. <laughs> but uh, before we get into that, feeling some gratitude. I am feeling all tingly with yeah. gratitude. I think we might actually have the same gratitude, maybe. I have sort of. I have a feeling we both yeah. will. So I'll go first. Dang it. All right. Because uh, I want to steal your thunder. Yeah. Because I'm grateful for your mother-in-law. Oh, wait, my mother-in-law. You mean your mother-in-law. My mother-in-law. My mom. Your mom. I know why my you're grateful for her. Yeah. We just got back from a little one-night getaway into some small quaint town in Oxford, Maryland. And we stayed in one of the oldest inns, if not the oldest inn in the United States. It was built in 1710. It's called the Robert Morris Inn. And we had an amazing night. It was our first night away from Lucille. And we made it. We made it. <laughs> there were no tears. Well, there was tears when I was making fart noises and you think it's hysterical. Am and, I the only one who thinks fart noises yeah, are hysterical? I don't know. Like, I just can't stop laughing. Yeah. I mean, you just egg me on Wait, and I just can keep you make my it. favorite fart noise? No. Please? No, not Come right on. <laughs> Classic. Yes. Yes. But no, it was, it was, we had... Some of the best conversation. Uh, we made a lot of the kind of decisions about life. We even got into a little bit about teaching and how influential you can be with your peers <laughs> and your school and, and in making changes in the education system. So, no, it was a great night. We survived it. We did. We, uh, we got back, and the little munchkin was happy to see us, and she was well-behaved for her her gammy and her aunt randy so she was a rock star thanks to yes Lucille. yes and and thank you mother-in-law and sister-in-law for helping out and you know giving a jill and i a, a night that uh was was a lot of fun it was yeah. and uh my gratitude so not only was it for my mom but i'm just grateful for small quaint towns Yeah. You know, we cannot let those go. We cannot let them become extinct. Like these old, slow living towns that are just so quaint. And there's not a lot of hustle and bustle going on. There is none. It is so amazing to go in a completely different atmosphere that just slows. It forces you to slow down and just appreciate like different houses and how they lived back then. And, you know, we were near the water. So just walking along the water and just a different scene 
and just, I mean, we went on the playground at the park and we're just yeah. swinging and just. Just staring at the creek or the just like river the little, or whatever that was. The little things sometimes we forget to appreciate. It's nice to get away from it all and just to kind of reconnect with history and each other mm-hmm. and nature. And it sounds probably really cheesy, but I love little quaint small towns. They're great. And we were probably the youngest people in that By town. By 20 years, at least. <laughs> it didn't bother me at all. No, not at all. But you know what? I, we didn't hear any really cool stories, but when you're around a lot of older people, they like want to talk to you and tell their story. And I yeah. think that's so fun to hear their stories yeah. from the past because you know, now that my grandparents aren't alive anymore, I miss hearing those old stories and the way life was and a Especially lot of things. Especially the people who have been in those towns for forever. That's true. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have a feeling it's kind of a mix there. There's people who make that place their summer location, mm-hmm. but then there are the people who are there year round who have either grown up there or have lived there for a majority of their life. That's true. And have true. seen a lot of changes in that town. Even though it's a small town, you know, there's been a lot of changes. You saw where the post office used to be and, mm-hmm. and where things used to be, and then they get relocated. But yeah, no, small towns are, are definitely my favorite. It forces us to slow down and, and really. Like you said, reconnect with each other. And there was no TVs. No, none. There were no like fancy things going on in that hotel, which was awesome. And they uh, even posted a sign on the door saying, don't expect any of this kind of stuff. You know, you're here to, you know, live the slow kind of life. And this is what we do. And it was great. Yeah, and the owners were, or at least the person at the front desk was from Scotland and had an awesome accent. Yes. And just hearing her talk was fun. And we had live music and the guitar player was really good. And we were probably in the bar restaurant area for about a good two hours. Oh, easily, easily, easily. yeah. And it was uh, so chill. We'll, we'll post. Uh, we'll post the link to the Robert Morrison oh, in yeah. our in our show notes good in call. case anybody's interested in making the trek to Oxford. We definitely recommend it. So that was that. So That's very good grateful. Very good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's jump into it. One of the biggest life changing, longest journeys that we've been on and that is i want to say yours but our infertility journey and i'm gonna need your help yes on this nick because your timeline your memory is like a steel trap like you remember everything and i remember a lot of small things but not the sequence of all of it and i'm really gonna need your it took me a few minutes to kind of put it together but i've got this sequence down but I think before we even like dive into the infertility journey, I think we it's good for us to kind of talk about our stance and viewpoint on having kids, you know, from an early part of our relationship to the point where we, you know, decided that we did want to have kids because when we first started dating, we really were in that honeymoon phase. Exactly. We're in that honeymoon phase and we were going on a lot of vacations and we were like, we don't want anything to get in our way of us going on vacation. This is amazing. We're going to go across the world and (laughs) see everything. And, you know, we're not going to have any baggage with us and no attachments. Yeah, it was, that was, that was what we wanted. You know, we, we were madly in love with each other, which we still are. And we just wanted to do anything and everything together. And I believe it was before we got married, we had the conversation that we wanted to have kids. It was like one of those things where you're like, you know what? I feel in my heart of hearts that, you know, I, I want to be a mom. And I was like, yeah, you know, I've been thinking a lot about it too. And, you know, I'd love to be a dad. So we did have that conversation before we got married, we did. which is a good thing. And, 
you should have that conversation before you get married. And I know people can change their mind, but you know, kids are, are something that people feel very passionately about. And if you want them, you know, and, and you're with somebody who doesn't want them, that's a very difficult situation. And it can be messy, and, and sometimes it, it, it might not be, but you have to be on the same page, particularly when it comes to kids. I think it's a very important conversation to have. And I think just talking about if you decide you want to have kids before you get married, or even if you're married before you decide to have kids, just talking about your parenting styles and making sure yeah. you're on the same page yeah. with how do you want to raise your kids, because I feel like that's even more important is just... Definitely. It's where a I lot know of my mom and dad yeah. had a lot of struggles with their viewpoints on raising us and, you know, they seemed to work it out and they got a divorce later on, but they definitely had completely, I wouldn't say completely different, but they were, they were slightly not on the same page right. when it came to disciplining, well which causes a lot of tension yeah. in that relationship. And we definitely talked about that before, like how, what kind of parents we want to be, how we want right. to raise our kid. And I will say one of the things that kind of changed my mind, I think... I kind of knew all along I wanted to be a mom. I just didn't want it to happen yet. I didn't want anything yeah, to come in between us. you didn't want to get married very... and then, then two weeks later, yeah. yeah. I was kind of selfish and I wanted a lot of time with you. But then the more and more I saw you interact with your friends' kids and just yeah. seeing you holding babies and just interacting with little children, I knew you were going to be an amazing dad and that kind of made me want to be a partner with you to see you raise our kid. Yeah, well... From day one, you've been an amazing mom, and I always knew you would be just based on how you grew up and the way your mom is. So, I mean, it's been uh, it it certainly has been a treat for both of us to to be where we are today, and just kind of seeing how both of us are growing as this little Together, girl sure. grows. Yes, and so you know, it, it, it's I'm glad we did it. And that's you know, no regrets. We, yeah, we can't no regrets. send her back. I can't put her back in there. Sorry, <laughs> not honey. at all. So, you know, we got married in October of 2014, October 4th, 2014. And, you know, basically we were like, you know, for that year, you know, it's just me and you. And, you know, we'll talk about, you know, having kids after our first year of marriage. So we went through the first year and then we had our one year anniversary on October 4th, 2015. Mm -hmm. And that was the day that Jill decided to, quote unquote, pull the goalie. (laughs) The net is open, the my friend. The net was wide open. So Shoot it up. She went off of birth control, and we were, okay, let's let's start doing this. Let's yep. start we trying to, yeah, lots and lots and lots and lots of practice. And I wasn't using any kind of app or, like, taking my body temperature to see when I was ovulate, ovulating. It was one of those things where I wanted to get pregnant. Just I just right. wanted it to happen. I didn't want to really try at it, and I think a lot of women are like that where they just want to try and they just want it to happen kind of effortlessly, like Mm -hmm. just through having sex and not having to manage it and schedule it because then it makes it more like a business than something pleasurable and just organic. And we tried for a year. But the reason, another reason why you didn't manage it because nothing was happening. Well, that's true. (laughs) Because of birth control. There was nothing, yeah. um, There was no no menstrual cycle. There was no, yep. There was no murder scene. To, I mean, she was off. To of, be found she was off there. of birth control, but there was like a natural birth control going on with your body or your system. My hormones were fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> my system didn't know how to act after I got off the pill, and I never got my period back. And for some reason, I thought maybe we could still get pregnant, and 
I took medication to try to get it back. It didn't work. And we tried for a year. And I try not to get frustrated. But we got to the point where we said we need more help. And my gynecologist recommended that we go see a fertility clinic. Yeah, we basically, we tried for a year and our our two-year anniversary. We're like, okay, we need to start considering some options. Yeah. And we've had some friends who have gone through Shady Grove as well and couldn't recommend it more. You know, they said it was a great thing. The doctors, the nurses, um, the assistants, everyone was just really friendly and very empathetic about our situation. They were so damn happy in that place. They were. Anytime you go in, they were cheery. They say, hello, good morning. Yeah, because most of the people in there are stressed. Oh, my God. Because they are having such a difficult time. And so it was really nice having them just kind of giving you that, you know, it's going to be okay. We're going to take care of you kind of thing. And we forgot to mention that I did start acupuncture before we went to Shady Grove because I wanted to try all the holistic avenues I could before so i had started acupuncture maybe it was a good six two, months before six months before before we went to shady grove so i would say it was in the the summer of 2016 is when you started acupuncture yeah and i continued acupuncture throughout the whole experience because i, I it had transformed my life and mm-hmm. we can talk and you more continue about to go how acupuncture is still helping me i feel like everyone needs some kind of therapist or acupuncturist in their life because oh my gosh just having a third party just listen to your story listen to your life and then give this you know non-connected feedback that's very specific but general and doesn't make it's not judgmental it's just it's done wonders for my life and has affected our lives and in whole but yeah so we we started at shady grove and And that was december of 2016 is when we had our first meeting consultation with dr matla yeah yeah He's such an awesome guy. He's such an amazing, positive, again, just reassured us that we're going to get this thing done. You know, at the end of the day, we're going to have a beautiful baby and, and, you know, we're going to be, you know, parents. And that's what it was all about. And he made us believe that from the very first visit that we went there, I believe. And I remember when, it's so funny how I, I really didn't know, this sounds so silly. I didn't know exactly all of the things that were involved in making a baby. I mean, I know the <laughs> act of how to make a baby, but I remember him drawing like little sketches of like the uterus and oh, yeah. how things happen. And I love that he drew pictures because I'm such a visual person. Yes. It would feel like we were playing a game of like Pictionary or something. Like <laughs> he's drawing all these things and like, this is what happens. And I was so excited because the teacher in me was like, I need visuals, I need pictures. And Man, he, I think he even drew it like upside down. He probably like, oh, yeah, he was like showing us as he's drawing it upside down. That was great. And I'm just thinking, shit, I didn't realize everything that is involved, like how the stars have to be aligned in your bodies, yes, both of our bodies to to have a baby. Yeah, it's just he really just a fascinating process. How, how lucky anybody is just to be able to to conceive and, and you know, how things have to be lined up, and it's just. You know, it's amazing. I mean, when they, when people say it's a miracle, I mean, it really is. It yes, it really is. So we had we had our first visit, and then and he did tell us that it sounded like well, we had to get your sperm tested. Well, I had to do that. Yeah, you know, we had to both have um, blood tested for mm-hmm. um, I think it was HIV and and um, other STDs or STIs or whatever the hell they call them these days. <laughs> um, you know, and, you know, we went through that, and then I believe you had, like, your... I had to get my fallopian tubes. Yeah. That was some test, which, oh, my God, it hurt so bad. It, like, 
took my breath away and my mom was there and I remember I was fainting. Like it was just for an instant that they did. I don't even remember the. Like, I remember you I coming tried back to like, and telling me about it. To it like take horrible. it out of my memory because it was so not comfortable, but they had to check my tubes or something. And But basically all of our tests came back great. Your sperm was looking good. Um, yeah, it was. My tubes were looking good. <laughs> Everything was looking good. And Dr. Motla recommended that IUI seemed like a really good choice for us. Just meaning that timing everything, you know, growing my follicles and then pretty much using, I don't know, a syringe to insert your good stuff into right. me eventually. Well, I think you also, I, I want to say I remember you. And this is certainly something that the time you're kind of going through infertility, but I, I think you had said something to me, like you were kind of hoping that there might be something wrong with me I did. and my sperm count or, or something like that, that which it, that. no, but it's not, you were going through so much and you were, you're kind of probably in the back of your mind saying, I hope this just isn't me. I didn't want to be broken. I was like, right, Nick's, right. Nick's penis has to be broken. <laughs> Something's going on in there. It's not me. It's him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I do distinctly remember that. And you were, and even at the time, you're like, you know, this is such a selfish thing for me to think or anything like that. But I mean, I was honest and open about it. You know, and, I didn't you know, keep it in. I told you how yeah. I was feeling. And Absolutely. but guys, I didn't realize like everything that had to be okay with just your sperm, like the head had to be pointy. It yeah. has to have a tail. Yeah. Some sperm doesn't. And I was just like, what? Yeah. Like you learn a lot about not only my body. I learned a lot about what was going in. Yeah. And uh, it was your system it's too. definitely interesting to learn but you know we we had our first couple of visits and then you got some information um that delayed our process so as they did give me medication um it, i had i started injecting then to grow my follicles and i think one of my appointments when they were looking to see if my follicles were growing mm-hmm. they did an ultrasound they saw that there was um a cyst right and they thought Maybe it was just a cyst and it was going to pass because I guess that's just something that happens in our bodies. We have cysts and then they go away. We have cysts and then they go away. Um, This ended up not being a cyst. And after further testing, they determined that it was a fibroid tumor. And it was the size of a newborn baby's head. Yes. Which was crazy to me because I had no symptoms. I had no pain. And they couldn't believe that I didn't feel anything either. I remember them saying, like, you don't have any issues or anything like that. They're like, this thing's huge. And you're like, no. No, and come to find out, my mom had fibroid tumors, and it, it was kind of passed on to me. And the chances of Lucille having them, that, that could very well happen too. But luckily, we caught it. Uh, silver lining of getting fertility treatment. It's not like I was going to get ultrasounds before then. Right. So them doing that ultrasound and seeing that and me not experiencing any painful symptoms was fantastic in that sense. Um but they determined like I needed to postpone treatment mm-hmm. and I had to get it taken care of and I needed to get it removed through surgery. Yep. So fast forward to March 2017 and that's when you had the surgery. I had the surgery and I was scared to death. And you, I will say that you did not look scared. You acted normal even though you, you told me afterward that you were frightened. But I had no idea during the time that you were just absolutely, well, I don't want to say terrified, but... Well, I'd never had surgery, and you see how it's depicted on on TV, and I had no idea that they weren't going to put me to sleep until after they rolled me in to the actual room where right. the surgery was going to happen. So as I'm being rolled in, it's getting colder and colder, and 
I'm seeing all the doctors like surround me with a light and I'm like freaking out. I'm like, why am I still awake? I don't want to be awake to see all this, where it's going to happen. Where's this robot arm going to go in me and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But everyone was super sweet. The, um, anesthesiologist. Anesthesiologist? Yeah. An- okay. Um, she was really nice and just told me to think of happy thoughts and think of an island or, and yeah, I woke up and it was like, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, after that was done, it was like a sigh of relief that it was over, but that took time to recover from that surgery. Yeah. I mean, it was all lower abdomen and... They said it would be three months before we could even start trying again to that, but they say that it recovers quicker, Mm -hmm. um, just, I guess, because of the the area of the body that it's in, um, that those things tend to recover quicker than other areas of the body Yeah, because it is reproductive. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot more stuff going on down there. So, you know, it didn't put us off course that much, you know, three months, but needless to say, that was three months where we could have, you know, been pregnant and, and, you know, moving along in the process. And I'm just grateful that it was out of me because I know my mom had tumors while she was pregnant with both me and my sister. So right. I couldn't even imagine having tumors while being pregnant and growing a baby. It sounds so dangerous and scary. Mm-hmm. So I was just grateful that it was gone and it was done with. And everyone was very supportive and kind at the hospital. I mean, I had a great support system here to help me heal. Yeah. I took off pretty much all of FMLA leave I could just you because did. my job is very... I'm always moving, so it wasn't a job that I could just kind of relax in. Yeah, I, I mean, you to had to use up heal. all of your yeah. your leave. It was worth it. I wanted to make sure I was healed before doing anything. Did you do some leave? Yeah, you did leave without pay. I did. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely did. And your surgeon was a nice guy. Very nice. Um, you know, he was great through the entire process as well. Mm-hmm. So, again, everybody that we met with that was involved in the process was was just super nice and and extremely helpful and informative to us so that was march june of 2017 we're given the green light to proceed back with shady grove and start more injections yeah so before (laughs) and after these three months i was giving injections at six o'clock i had a little timer Mm -hmm. every night at 6 p.m i would give myself injections and yeah, you had like a window between 6 and 8 p.m. that you had to to inject yourself. I did. Or I, I well. You or my sister. Yeah. And it was like a routine. It was just like, oh, time for injections. Oh, time for injections. And it sucked. Yeah. It was not pleasurable. And there was a couple times where you had to do it yourself because no one was home. But for the most part, we I tried to make sure that somebody was home. I pretty empowered after that, though. Like, yeah. needles are not my thing, but there was a couple times where I had to. And uh, I just did it. Yeah. I said, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, um, and they didn't really hurt. It's just. It's nerve wracking. Well, it's just the mental stress of just. It's like just. It's, it's it felt like a business. Like I'm trying so hard to get pregnant. It wasn't just something magical that was just happening to me. And like just a baby was just, you know, you know, just having sex that any other any time we wanted and just saying, oh, my God, I'm pregnant. Like reading that test in the bathroom. Like I had a vision of what it was going to be like to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Like I was going to get a pee test and I was going to find out in my home and just be like super surprised and shocked. And I had to pretty much say that is just one version of somebody getting pregnant. And that's not going to be my version. And I had to accept that. Yeah. That it's going to be structured. It's going to be like a business. But I wanted it bad enough that. I was going to push through for as long as I could and 
yes, we got to the time where, well, at one point I had follicles that were ready, but then the doctor said there were too many follicles. So yeah, that was, <laughs> that was so first time around July, 2017. And it was kind of funny that during that time I was actually going and in uh, Dallas, Texas for a bachelor party. And we go and follow the Orioles around and, and they happen to be playing the Texas Rangers. So we were in Dallas. It was hot as hell. It was 110 degrees plus some humidity. But I remember saying that I knew you had to go to Shady Grove on that Friday. We flew down on a Thursday and you were going to Shady Grove on Friday to figure out if you know we were ready to go. And I was prepared to they were take, getting bigger take an and early bigger, flight and I back was like, yeah, they could in be case ready. they needed you know my yep. goods. <laughs> and so you know you called me or texted me i forget what it was and said too many follicles we're gonna have to try again you know we have to, they're not gonna inject me this time they they think it's too like risky quintip- yeah it could have been quintuplets, quintuplets or something quintets, like that what are they called <laughs> yeah. so we were like yeah and it took a while twins like, would be great but, but no, no more five. than that <laughs> yeah and if anyone doesn't know what that infertility process looks like if you're trying to grow follicles it's not a very fast process it takes time you're constantly going and getting blood work every time you go there you're getting blood work Mm -hmm. and they're measuring your follicles and they're like not yet not yet not yet so i was going there almost like every day before work and i would luckily my principal was so flexible that she had somebody cover my class because we have an early we're in early school and i would miss like the first 10 minutes because the earliest appointment you can get was 7 a.m i would be there right when the doors open getting blood work, seeing how my follicles were. I mean, me and the nurses there were like BFFs. They were probably sick of seeing me, but they were always <laughs> happy. They were always like super cheery. And luckily the staff was just so kind because it made that that process so much better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I had too many follicles and we had to start all over growing so, yeah, the follicles the, the, again. The, the cycle starts again. And, and Dr. Then... Motla was so kind. I remember him calling me. I was in Baltimore visiting my friend. And he called me on the phone and just gave his condolences that we had to cancel the IUI because I had too many follicles. And he just said, don't you know, it's going to be okay. We're going to do it again. We're going to get this right. Like he was just so kind and reassuring and positive and uplifting and, you know, just gave me that hope that I needed because it was yeah. kind of, I was kind of bummed out. Like yeah, we had to start yeah. it all over again. I was actually kind More of excited injections. to leave a bachelor party early and come home and, and, and really? do that. Yeah, I mean, Aww. it was it would it's a sense of thrill. It's just like, ooh, this is gonna happen. <laughs> um, so that happened. So August 2017, we were actually on vacation in Oregon. We were during the time where your follicles would have been ready to do the next cycle. So. You know, August was kind of a wash because we were we were out of town. We decided to just stop for vacation. I know that we could have found Shady Groves if they were near mm-hmm. and gotten treatment there, but it was just going away. I needed to just unplug. Yeah, you needed that time because it was... Unplug from fertility treatments yeah. and just enjoy our time out there and just hike and eat good food and visit friends and so, yeah, that was, we just decided to stop for a little bit, which yeah. was such a good decision. I feel like if you're going through something like that, that's mentally draining, physically, emotionally, you need to plan things that will fill you up during those struggles because mm-hmm. you're just going to keep depleting yourself and get, I don't know, sadder. Like, it just made me sad. The more and more I did it, and the, you know, with with no positive results. So it was like a good decision that we decided to plan that trip and just go out there and like 
just film film me back up. Yeah. And I think it's worth noting that once we came back from that trip, we were ready to move out to Oregon and move to Bend and start a life there, whether it was with a kid or without a kid. We really enjoy nature. There is plenty of mountains, forests, waterfalls, hiking trails, caves, you name it, in Bend, the desert. You have everything in nature that you can, and the, the beaches or the oceans only three hours away, four hours away, just depending. We were like, this is where we want to be. And I think I know- They what- have the only blockbuster <laughs> left in the world. In the world. They do. The only blockbuster that's still open. It's so yeah, why wouldn't you want to move there? Yeah, and I feel like we went on a hike like every day. We, we were did. out there, and being in nature, like it completely, it healed me. It filled me up. It was just what I needed, and I just wanted to be in that all the time. And I think that moving there, like I was like, we would constantly be in nature. Like we wouldn't have so many distractions. We would go on more hikes, and it just seemed like the perfect time because. I was just so frustrated and sad that I was not getting pregnant. And being out there felt so good. It did. It felt really good. It felt great. And we didn't know what we were going to do for work or anything like that. We just knew that we wanted to be out there. Then we got back home and we were like, okay, let's contact the realtor. Let's try to put this ball into motion. But in the same time, let's let's pick up Shady Grove again. Yep. And More see injections. if we can make this happen. So we start the injections, or you sh- start the injections. I shouldn't say we. You started the injections again. And so September came around. And so th- they say, okay, we have a follicle, one follicle, you know, not multiple, but they mm-hmm. have, we have a follicle. And, you know, let's give this IUI a try. Yeah. So that was really exciting. Yeah. Um, at least it was supposed to be exciting. And I remember telling you I felt really guilty because I said, I don't even want to get pregnant anymore. Right. Because I knew if I got pregnant, we probably wouldn't be moving to Bend, Oregon. We probably would stop the whole process. And a real estate agent did come Mm -hmm. and see our house and give us advice. And, you know, we started taking action and doing some things. But at this point, I was so ready for a change and ready to be closer to nature that I felt I almost felt bad for thinking that I didn't want to get pregnant anymore. Right. But you had already, at that point, gone through so much. It was a tiring process. I kind of given up. every night. Really? Mentally, emotionally, I think I was, I was just so drained that I, I really didn't, I was kind of hopeless. And I, I stopped, I stopped thinking about it as Mm -hmm. much. I mean, I did it, but I was just kind of went through the motions, not having any expectations of having a baby i think also you were very excited for a new fresh start in life yes that definitely filled me up probably took away from a lot of the stress that you were feeling it's almost like i replaced my stress with finding something that was really exciting to look forward to knowing that it could happen like infertility is like questionable like we don't know when we don't know if it's gonna work but moving was something definite that I knew w- was going to happen, and it filled me up. Yeah. Just knowing that it was going to happen. Whereas infertility, it's questionable. You, It's the unknown. Yeah, it really is. The, so the, the next step was, uh, you know, I had to bring my bag of goodies to Shady Grove. And you had to be at Shady Grove. And, you know, I just had to be there to, to kind of drop it off. 
you had to stick around because you were getting an IUI. Yeah, so I scheduled my IUI. I think my mom came with me. and She was there, yep. Yeah, so she came to a lot of my appointments um, when Nick couldn't come, which was really reassuring. I have such a great support system here. And yeah, it was... Uh, not very romantic. No. You know, they don't put any... I, uh, I don't remember any of this. They don't put any good sex jams or romantic jams when they're uh, squirting something in you. They say, spread your legs. Yeah, and I had no, no good <laughs> material either. You just hear this... And it was kind of funny. And they're like, all right, so you're going to sit there for like 10 minutes and then you'll be good to go. And I was like, all right, all right. Nick's swimmers are in me. Let's yeah. see what happens. <laughs> so the crazy thing is they're able to find out if you're pregnant two weeks after an IUI. So you have an appointment two weeks later, and it's one of those ones where I didn't go with, but your mom went with you. Yes. So we went for the blood work. Yeah. And they don't tell you right away. You have to wait, I think maybe like two or three hours. I forgot. So we went to the appointment. They did blood work. And my mom and I went to a restaurant called Vin 909 in Annapolis, which is a fantastic. And we went there for lunch and we just said, you know, we'll just have lunch and we'll We'll wait around for the phone call, and I should preface by saying that the nurses and the doctor told me pretty much, you know, don't get your hopes up too much because the first IUI is only a 15% chance of success. They said usually the second, third, or fourth IUI, is there's a better probability of you getting pregnant. And as soon as they told me that, I mean, I think I had already kind of checked out anyway that I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm not getting pregnant, whatever. So you were even more checked out. I was. So when they told me that, I wasn't like, oh, man, it was kind of like, it is what it is. I accepted it. I wasn't getting pregnant. 15% chance. That's so low. I'm like, whatever. So we went to lunch and we're sitting down and we're eating delicious wood fire pizza and drinking wine. And I get a phone call from, I saw that it was from Shady Grove. And I think there was like a moving truck at the time, like making food deliveries at the restaurant. So it was really loud. Okay. And were you guys said, sitting outside? We were. We were okay. outside in the patio. And I was like, I can't even get this call. I'm not going to be able to hear them. There's like a moving truck. And I said, they're just calling to say your IUI was negative. Like you're not pregnant. So I was like, I'll just listen to the voicemail, you know, when we have time. So I think about a minute or two later, I get another call on my phone and it's Shady Grove again. And my mom's like, I think you might want to take this. And I'm like, all right. So... I walked out of the restaurant and I walked down the alley because they were still a moving truck there yeah. delivering food or whatever. And it was Dr. Motla. And he said, I just wanted to say congratulations. And I was like, for what? And he's like, you're pregnant. Didn't you get a call from the nurse? And I said, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I was like, you're shitting me. And he goes, no, didn't you, didn't you get a call? And I said, yeah, but I didn't listen to it because I thought it was negative. News, yeah. He's like, no, you are pregnant. I'm so excited for you. And... I was just in shock. Yeah. I, I was, wasn't crying. I wasn't, I feel like I was like stunned elated, if that's a thing. I was just, I was excited, but I was frozen because everything that I was looking forward to before was happening, but then I changed what I was looking forward to. And now it was the move to Oregon was what I was looking forward right. to. So now I had kind of had to went back and said, this is originally what I wanted. Like, why am I not? Like, I don't know. It was just a weird mix of feelings. It was, I think it, it just caught you by surprise. A combination of like, kind of bummed out, but really excited, nervous. You know, it was just like a bunch of different emotions all in one. And I remember coming back to the restaurant and my mom 
said like, you know, what did they say? And I was like, it was Dr. Motla. I was like, he's, he says I'm pregnant. And she was like, ha, huh, yeah. Because I pretty much told her the right. odds. And she looked at me and she was like, you're kidding, right? And I was like, no. And she was like, <laughs> and she started crying. And I still haven't, I still didn't cry at all. And she's no. like, we got to drink more wine to celebrate. And I was like, shit, yeah. So and one had, more glass. We had another glass of wine. Cut off. Still in shock. She was like, you need to call Nick. Like, you need to call him now. So then I remember walking to the alley again to yeah. to call you and let you know that. And I didn't pick up the phone. You, you did not. No. I didn't pick up the phone. I was in a lunch meeting. And I was like, God, Jill's calling me to tell me we're not pregnant. I think con- that was the same thing. I, I had the same. I convinced everyone. Yeah, it's you, not you convinced me, and and you know, I, I think it was. So really, I think the whole when you said you didn't want to be pregnant when you said that, I think that was that between getting the IUI and getting that phone call. I think that's when that went down. It probably was. You're better with the timeline yeah. than I was. So I'm just like, yeah, this probably didn't happen. So I get done my meeting, and I was. It was kind of funny. It was the guy I was talking to, I was like, yeah, my wife and I have been trying to get pregnant. Um, you know, she just called me and I was like, I'll call her back after this meeting. We're wrapping up anyway. And I was like, you know, we were paying our bill. And so to think I was a priority. Yeah. You, you put shady, <laughs> just the wife, you whatever put, you put off shady Grove calling you. That's true. So I was eating really good pizza. I was like, eh, no good voicemail. Yeah. So I, I get out of the restaurant and I'm on my way back to the office and I'm like, all right, let me give Jill a call. And I'm like, Hey babe, how's it going? And you're like, we did it. <laughs> I was like, what? You gotta be kidding me. And you're like, no, we did it. And I was just I just remember just sitting in my car, just driving back to the office, and I'm pretty sure I had a shitting grin on my face from from one side to the other. And I was just like, wow, this is the coolest thing ever. And thinking to myself, well, that just kind of changes everything. I was like, we have so much to consider. Yeah. Because I think at the time we were still like, you know, we're gonna move to Oregon. You know, we can make this work. Yeah, we did. And a couple days later, I think is when reality really struck and we were like we can't move no it's like our support system's here your mom's here Everybody. my parents are two hours away your sister's here my friends and family are you know here it was it that it wouldn't it have made like, sense let's not do it yeah. i mean we're gonna have we did know people out where we were gonna move we did but we didn't, we didn't want to have to rely on them all no, the time we no we don't want to put a burden on you know, them I even though they are awesome they shout are. out to yeah. uh the Wilsons. Friends and Ben, the Wilsons. Yes. Love you guys. So, yeah, we found out we were pregnant. We made the changes and said we're going to stay here. And nine months later, and we will do a pregnancy journey <laughs> podcast because oh. that's also fun. Oh my gosh, that's my hornball be... wife during pregnancy. We'll leave a cliffhanger there. Yeah, talk more about pregnancy. <laughs> but yeah, nine months later, we have a beautiful, healthy crazy girl i know she's awesome i'll have to ask mom if i cried at all that day i feel like i would my emotions were everywhere too because what? of hormones the day that you found the day out I found out i still i don't know if i cried i mean to this day i'm still in shock that we have a baby it's still a surprise still when like, you come home you're yeah mine. like when does the shock wear <laughs> off that you're actually mine i don't know like being pregnant I think the only day it really hit me was when I gave birth. You know, I definitely, oh my God, I definitely cry the day uh, I gave yeah, birth. Yeah, I did too. But still, it's like before and after, it's still like I'm in shock, like I, I excited shock, but it's like, I, I can't believe you're mine. Yeah. And I wonder if that ever wears off for parents. I don't know. So let me ask you a question. 
shoot. What advice would you give women and and their spouses who are going through a similar situation? I don't know if you were prepared to answer that, but I feel like... Um, Well, I know, I feel like we learned so much through this struggle, and no matter how dark it may seem or how stressful it is, I feel like you have to intentionally carve out time and carve out, just make your life as filled with joy as possible. Mm -hmm. So whatever is bringing you down, just intentionally choosing things to lift yourself up to balance that out. Because if you don't, it's just going to take over you and deplete you and just make you a person that you don't want to be. I know that through infertility, it took so much energy out of, it took the pep out of my step. I'm a pretty positive person and I try to find the positive in everything, but it really, it started taking a toll on me. And I, I had to start looking at our schedule, what we were doing and stop doing some of the things because we were doing things, I think that we thought we had to like, you know, if there was parties, birthdays, celebrations, you feel like you have to do it all, but we didn't have to do it all. And instead of trying to spread ourselves thin, I said, I only want to do things that are going to fill me up right now. And I don't think this event is going to fill me up. So let's do this instead. So just planning trips, finding things every day to make myself feel better. Like I changed my workouts. I just walked more in nature because it just made me feel good in that season of my life. Before I was just doing all that high intensity stuff and it was stressing me out. It was stressing my hormones out. I had to pretty much tweak a lot of things that I did during my day to fill myself up. So it's almost like, again, it goes back to self-care when we talked about now. I forgot what episode that was. I feel like I had to revolve my life around self-care instead of anything else. Because you're the only one in control of you. Right. You can't let anybody else fill you up. You have to fill yourself up and you have to make that time to do what you think is best for you. And also, I feel like communicating with you and sharing my story on Instagram, as silly as that sounds, I needed to find a sense of community and other people who were going through it because as great as Nick, I mean, you are an amazing listener and you are such a great support system for me. I needed to talk to people who were going through the same thing and to hear their stories of success or just their struggles because it made me feel like I wasn't alone. Yeah. I And I, I wanted to say something, you know, from from a guy's perspective and standpoint, I, I think the best thing you can do is just be there to support and listen to your wife or, or a girlfriend or whomever because you you can never fully understand what they're going through, what emotions they're feeling. And there was things that I, you know, I, I'm glad that Jill was able to reach out and find support from people who were in similar situations because I can only say so much, I can only listen so much, and you know, I can tell her everything's gonna be okay, that we're gonna get through this, but just hearing it from people who've been through that experience, I think really helped her out a lot. So I think for the guys, just be there, listen, you know, ask questions and you know, always ask, you know, if I'm asking too much, you know, please let me know and just be open in your communication. And ladies, be open with your communications with your with your man as well. 
you know, if he's asking too much and it's annoying you, tell him. Just be honest, Just be real, honest. authentic, and... And do it before it boils up, too. You know, don't wait until he finally asks you, you know, is there anything I can do for you? And then you're like, just leave me the F alone. Yeah. Um, you know, just be open, honest, and do it early. And I think I did a pretty good job of not, not holding it all in. I will say some advice is just to feel all the feels. If you're feeling sad, crazy, depressed, you know... If you're crying sporadically, like my hormones were like all over the place, you just have to let it consume you. Mm -hmm. Almost like embracing that season of life you're in. Let it come in and let it happen to you. And then just communicate to your partner what's going on. Like, listen, I can't control that I'm crying right now. I don't even know why I'm crying, but I'm crying. And I, I remember telling you that often. Like, I don't know why I'm so sad. I don't know why I'm crying, but it's happening. And yeah. I just wanted to give you at least the chance or attempt to know what was happening and what was going on in my brain, what was going on in my body. I needed to give you that opportunity just to understand and to know what was happening instead of just trying to hold it on in and fight it myself. Yeah. Like I can't do it alone. Even though it's happening to me and my body, I needed support and I needed help. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't help me unless I just told you everything that was happening to right. me. <laughs> and all I could do is be empathetic, listen, and try to support you as best as that that I could. And I, I think the best way that I could support you is by listening. But again, I think your your biggest support, you know, was from the people who have been through that situation. Babe, you were like my number one emotional cheerleader. Nice. Seriously. Oh. You just watched me go crazy. Just experience everything that I could have gone through. Happy, sad, crying, angry, mad, whatever, and you embraced it and you supported me and experienced all the emotions of Jill. It was wonderful. It was great. So, is there anything else you wanted to add to your infertility journey? I, I think mean, we covered a good I think portion we did. of it. We may have missed some things, And if but anybody has any, know. you know, wants to know more about it, you know, shoot us a message and we'll either take to social media or we can always revisit this on a future episode. But if anybody's going through this process, I am your number one supporter. I'm rooting for you. If you need to talk to anybody, please reach out to me um, because I know what it's like to not to feel like you're in it alone. And you are so not in it alone. No. All right. So let's jump into that quote of the day, Jilly. The quote of the day. I think this aligns perfectly. Um, this quote is by Grant Faulkner. Faulkner. Why is that funny? I just think of Biodome. Oh, see, I don't. I've only seen that movie once. Let's get that mother Faulkner. <laughs> we just took a somber moment and made it funny again. So well, that's what you have to do. You. I hope your find... quote of the day is funny or at least uplifting. Um, it's kind of neutral. So my quote of the day is: "You have a story, and your story is your gift." And the reason I picked this is because the world has much to gain from your struggles especially. And I feel like some people are afraid to talk about their struggle, their problems, but I feel like the world needs to hear your story. And the worst mistake we can do is thinking that other people don't care what we have to say. Right. But your words have so much power and one thing you could say could reach and touch one person and make that person feel connected. And I feel like if you feel connected to at least one other person, then you have that knowledge that like, I'm not alone. This isn't just happening to me. And it just gives you that sense of hope and sense of community. And 
I encourage anyone who is going through something that's dark or, you know, something that you may think that nobody's going to want to hear it, share it because you could connect and help somebody else out there who might feel exactly the same way you do. And I do have some resources that are kind of connected to my... Yeah, let's hit it. Um, So one of the resources is from my blog. I do have a blog post, The Clean and Simple Life. And that blog post is called Infertility Sucks. (laughs) And it's question mark, Infertility Sucks, because it does suck, but there was definitely a lot of silver linings and positive pivots that took place in our life. And I kind of get into more detail on that. And um, so if you want to check that out, that will be in the show notes. And also, there is another blog post that I just found. It is by Christopher D. Connors. And he's on Instagram too, at Chris D. Connors. And we will put all of his information in the show notes as well. And he has this blog post that's titled, Why You Need to Tell Your Story to the World. And he just talks about, like, if you don't feel brave enough to talk about what you're going through, he just has these words that just give you that confidence to make you want to share what you're going through. And some of his quotes are, you know, it certainly takes courage to tell your story or any great story for that matter. There's so much to lose by living in fear and passing on the opportunity to impact the lives of others. When we tell stories we're excited about, we get excited and animated. And just thinking back, like you could be so depressed and down and in that period where, you know, there's no hope. But once you start sharing your story and people reach out and show that connection, that is like that other side uplifts you and gets you out of that dark period, or at least shows you that there is light at the end of this tunnel, whether you see it or not. So I just encourage people to be honest, authentic, and open, and just go in confidence with your life and speak up about the good, the bad, and the ugly because you could totally change someone else's life and not even know it. But you'll never know if you don't open your mouth and just speak the words. I love it. That's awesome. I hope I didn't ramble on too much. No, no, not at all. Okay. All right, folks, we really appreciate your time. Uh, We'd love it if you'd subscribe, hit that notification button when you get a new, when we have a new episode drop. Please leave us a review. It really helps us out as far as attracting a new audience and reaching out and helping people. So we appreciate your feedback as well. Hit us up. And if you know anybody who is going through infertility or a dark time, please screenshot this episode, send it to them, give them some kind of little bubble of hope just to help them reach reach out and share their story so that it uplifts them and others out there too. Absolutely. And thanks for hanging out with us, guys. Thanks. We'll see you next week. See you later. We want to thank everybody for listening today. Please be sure to subscribe and sign up to receive notifications so you know when the next episode is live. If you like today's episode and know someone who could benefit from the topic we covered, please share it with them. And if you have any suggestions for us and want to chime in on today's topic, you can email us at simplifiedchaospodcast at gmail.com, and that's chaos with a K, or send us a comment on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time.